menstruation, magic, and misogyny. We're just going to jump right into it today. I am your host, Naomi, and this is Mosaic in Progress. As always, please check the show description for content and trigger warnings. So, today, the topic that is heavy on my mind is menstruation and how pivotal and instrumental that was in my deconstruction and my healing journey. I grew up with an extraordinary amount of shame around menstruation. Even before my cycle started, I got to see my older sister have to deal with the shame around it and be shamed by my mother for her cycle. And my mother had a hysterectomy when I was about three years old, I think. And so I never got to witness her dealing with that, at least in my memory, but she had a lot of health problems related to her reproductive system. She had endometriosis and adenomyosis and fibroids and cysts and all of the things that I have. Thanks, Mom. Um, but she also grew up with an extraordinary amount of shame around her cycle. She had two brothers and she was just supposed to not speak of her cycle. She was not supposed to let them know that she was on it. And she raised me and my sister similarly. You know, we could talk about it in the house, but it was still shameful. Like, you don't talk to people about it. You don't mention it. You cover it up. You try to pretend it's not happening. You don't let it stop you. You push through. And it is this culture in our society that we just try to pretend like it's not a thing that happens and just push through it when everything about the menstrual cycle is calling you to listen to your body to pay attention to what it needs and adjust your actions accordingly the hormonal fluctuations affect how your emotions respond to different stimuli and different situations. The changes in your body throughout the cycle, the energy changes, whether you are more tired and sluggish or more energetic, they are enabling you and calling you to change your actions per how your body is responding to the changes going on inside of it. And we have spent so much of our lives and our culture has focused so much on just ignoring this huge part of the female experience and I'm going to pause here because I know that statement can be triggering for a lot of people because not all women bleed and not all women have always bled and not all women still bleed but it is a mostly universally accepted thing that it is a biological part of being biologically female 
barring anything outside of biological norm. That doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you if you don't. That doesn't mean you are less if you don't. That is not what this conversation is about. This is about the experience of being biologically female and raised in that and the traumatization that our society has heaped on us for the normal experience that biological females have. And it is a unique experience to being biologically female with a normally functioning or mostly normally functioning reproductive system. And there is trauma that comes with it. And I think this is why it is important for women to have spaces to heal together. Because it is not an experience that you can understand if you have not been inside of it. That being said. The first thing that I ever remember my mother saying to me about my cycle. I was about 13 years old. I had not been bleeding for that long. And she said... Or rather, I said that I was hurting so bad, I just wanted to blame somebody for this pain. And she said, well, you can blame yourself. And I immediately felt like I was in trouble. And she said, if you look in the Bible, the curse that God put on Adam and Eve. He told Eve she would have pain in childbearing. This is part of that. This is part of bearing children. You're responsible for your pain because you sinned. Now I'm not going to get into the biblically biblical inaccuracy of that statement. Or the fact that the same word is used to describe Eve's pain as the word that is used to describe what Adam's curse was in having to till the ground, work, work the ground, work childbirth. You're going to have a hard life. That was essentially the curse. I'm not going to delve into all of that right now, but I will say... What a horrible thing to say to a 13-year-old girl. You're hurting because you sinned. I can't even begin to describe the amount of shame that that added on to my cycle. I first bled two days before 9-11. September the 9th, 2001. That was my first bleed. I remember it vividly because I woke up two days into my bleed. I woke up late, which was very unusual for me. And I woke up, the sun was shining. I always woke up before the sun or right at dawn. And I came into the living room and the TV was on. The TV was never on during the day. And I walked in and looked at the TV just as the second, the plane hit the second tower. 
That is my memory of my first bleed. And honestly, it's kind of fitting for the way the rest of my life has gone. Particularly related to things related to my reproductive system and my sexuality. Because there was so much shame around everything related to being female, related to being a sexual being, related to bleeding in the house that I grew up in. I lost count of how many times I heard my mother call people who have had sexual partners prior to marriage used material. And so when I was sexually assaulted at 23, I thought that I was worthless for any good man. I thought no one good would ever want me. Because that's what she told me. And I believed her. Because I considered my mother to be one of my best friends. I looked up to her. I wanted to emulate her. I wanted to be just like her. I admired her. I was proud to be her daughter. So I listened to everything she said. We didn't really fight like some teenage girls do with their mothers. I had disagreements with her, but I always loved her. I always respected her. So when she told me that I was worthless if a man touched my body who wasn't married to me, I believed her. And so that led to me just accepting whatever I could get, whatever attention was thrown my way, whoever seemed like they might be interested, I figured was as good as I could get. And that compounded with multiple sexual traumas after that and multiple miscarriages. And I found myself feeling like I had nothing to give to the world because I thought my entire worth was tied up in being someone's wife to be the mother of their children. And there's a big part of that that still sits inside of me and is very hard to let go of because it was ingrained in me from my earliest memories that that's what I was put on earth to do. And 
I think this is a part of growing up female in the church that people don't talk about quite enough or in depth enough is that idea that that's all you're here to do. You're just here to be somebody's fucking incubator and housemaid and more liberal ideologies in the church will say you can also, you know, have a little job if you want to on the side to help support your family so you have a hobby so you're a more well-rounded person but they don't think of you as a woman, as an autonomous human being. You are a piece of a puzzle. And you're looking for your whole puzzle. You're not a whole puzzle in and of yourself. You're not looking for your missing puzzle piece. You're something that fits into someone else's narrative. You're a piece of their puzzle, of their life. You help them. You support them. You complete them. You are nothing without them. You're not a puzzle missing a piece without them. You are just one tiny little puzzle piece. That is how they treat you. That is how they speak to you. That is how they raise you. And if you are a single woman, you are looked at with pity. You are looked at with shame. You are looked at with disgust. Especially if you have any kind of sexual history, even if it wasn't your fault. A raped woman is a whore in the church. They look for widows and divorced men to take pity on her because no good man starting out his life would want that trash. I've had people say this to me. Have you considered possibly that you could marry a widow? My mother said that to me. A widower, excuse me. Uh, maybe? I'm not opposed to it. Why? Well, because you're not, you know, you know, and no one wants to say the words. Because words are power, and people don't want to say them out loud. Because if you say out loud, and there are those who have the audacity to do so, but if you say out loud, your vagina is worthless because it had a penis inside of it, then one has to draw the conclusion that... 
there is something wrong with penises. And then you start asking questions. And no one in the church likes it when people start asking questions, especially women. Because it's not the choices you make that make you worth less. Because if I am promiscuous or I am raped and my worth diminishes exactly the same, the problem was not my choices. The problem is that you think that my worth diminishes because a man has been inside me. And what does that really say about what you think about men? But no one wants to have that conversation. Because the thing is, the real fear comes from pleasure. The real fear comes from power. A long, long, long time ago, women's sexuality began to be oppressed because women's pleasure is a power that is so separate from men's sexual pleasure and so differentiated that it is terrifying to people who don't understand it. A man's sexual pleasure is inextricably linked with reproduction. You might not be lucky with it, or you might be lucky with it depending on what your plans are for you and your family, but it is inextricably linked with reproduction. A woman's sexual pleasure is simply an entity unto itself. It doesn't need a man. It doesn't reproduce. It simply empowers. And as I begin my journey of healing and to take a step back, that began sometime around 2019, early 2019. I had just had surgery and been diagnosed with endometriosis for the first time finding a life without pain that only lasted for a few months. But those few months were glorious. And I had suffered for 16 years. And I had been told that periods are supposed to hurt. I had been told that you just have bad periods. It's probably from your mother. My mother told me, well, you know, I always had bad periods. You know, I figured you girls would have them too. Because you get that sort of thing from your mother. No one listened to me. No one listened. From the time that I was 15 years old, I had ovarian cysts rupturing inside of me. I got diagnosed with that one pretty quickly. Because when you feel something burst inside you, 
in your abdomen, people get very concerned very quickly. Um, but it was quickly diagnosed and quickly written off. And I was put on birth control pills to regulate my hormones. Which don't, for the record. That's another discussion for another time. And there are medical doctors who know a whole lot more than I do about that. I would highly recommend you follow Dr. Jolene Brighton on social media if that is a thing that you are interested in learning more about. And there are many others, but she's my favorite one and does an excellent job of explaining things in very digestible small bits of information. I suffered for 16 years before I received a diagnosis and I remember waking up in recovery I could barely open my eyes and my mom was there and she took my hand and I was crying it was just tears coming down my face and maybe that was just the anesthesia drugs making my eyes water but they were trying to say reassuring things to me and ask me questions and I just said over and over again did they find endometriosis did they find it did they find endometriosis do I have that and my mom told me yes that they did and I started crying and I was not crying because I was sad that I had endometriosis I was crying because I wasn't crazy. I had to tell my OBGYN's nurse practitioner that I was suicidal in order to finally get the surgery to diagnose endometriosis. I had been going to her almost every month for almost a year. Coming back with the same thing. I am hurting constantly. I am hurting all the time. And she would do another test. And prescribe a different birth control pill. And do another test. And prescribe a different birth control pill. And tell me to take it continuously. So that it would stop my period. It did not stop it. I just bled all the time. And when I told her that. She said well. That happens sometimes. And just let that continue. No one cared, and I was dismissed because I had sexual trauma. I had been raped uh, about six months before I started going to see her with this constant pain. And she told me that all of her patients who had experienced sexual trauma had worse pain than those who had not with menstruation with endometriosis with anything else that it caused more pain there was something about it that altered the body's pain receptors and that whether there was something going on or not their pain tolerance for anything related to their reproductive system was significantly lowered which was good information but didn't help me she never offered me any pain control Ever, I told her I was baseline at 6 out of 10 pain and most days I was closer to an 8 and that was 
regardless of where I was at in my cycle. And she did nothing. I started truthfully abusing alcohol at that time because wine was the only thing that helped me to not hurt. Nothing that I could take helped, but wine helped. So I would drink wine until I didn't hurt anymore. And I told her this and that was the end of the conversation. She didn't offer me any help. She didn't offer me any relief. She didn't talk about other options. She just said, well, let's try this other test. Let's see if this might be the cause of the problem. Let's try this other birth control pill. And finally, in November of 2018, I told the nurse practitioner that I could not keep living like this. That every day I woke up and thought about killing myself. Not because I was depressed. Not because I hated my life. But because I was in so much pain, I could not envision living like that anymore. And she said, have you talked to Dr. Newman about scheduling surgery to look for endometriosis? And I said, no, she hasn't brought it up. She said, hold on one moment. She went and talked to the doctor. They decided that January was the best time to schedule me for surgery based on her availability. And that was where she was going to leave it. I wasn't even offered a psychiatric referral. I had to ask for something to help with the pain in the two-month interim that I was going to have to wait for surgery. And this is the same doctor who... When I told her that I had had a miscarriage, some people refer to it as a missed miscarriage, meaning that you know you were pregnant, you know you had a miscarriage, but it was too early for it to show up on at-home tests. She told me that I should not add that trauma onto myself. Because there was no way of knowing for sure whether I was really pregnant. And I had already been through so much. There was no reason to add that pain onto myself. Three months after my surgery where I got my diagnosis for endometriosis, my pain came back. And I reached out to her office. And... I was immediately referred to another doctor who could not see me for another two months. And at that point, I realized that I had to take my health into my own hands. And maybe that's a late in life time to realize that. But I did finally realize it. Your health is in your own hands. It's not in your doctor's hands. It's not in your parents' hands, it's not in your spouse's hands, it's not in anyone else's. You are responsible for your own body, for your own health. And if you are not getting what you need, 
find someone who will give you what you need or figure it out yourself. It is entirely your responsibility. That does not absolve the medical professionals who are caring for you of doing the best of their ability and knowledge. But you are the one who is responsible for your body. And so I started doing research. I had already started doing research. Looking into holistic methods to help endometriosis and related issues and to heal from sexual trauma. And I had already been doing chakra work for a good year at that point. And focusing specifically on my sacral chakra because that is the chakra that is responsible for sexuality and related to sexual energy. And I knew that I had so much trauma there in my mind. I thought it has to be related to all this pain. So maybe if I can heal some of the emotional pain... Maybe it will help heal some of the physical pain. And there have certainly been studies linking endometriosis to sexual trauma and childhood trauma. And it is not that far outside of the realm of possibility and known science to say that healing emotionally from sexual trauma will help to heal any pain that might be occurring in your body. Not 100%, not totally. This is certainly not medical advice. But there is a long-standing precedent for psychological and emotional trauma affecting your body. And that has certainly been my experience. I started going to women's circles. I had already been practicing moon rituals and it was kind of a natural offshoot of that and without getting too deeply into what my moon rituals consisted of, it was something that I got the idea from some ASMR videos that I had been watching. There was this ASMR creator Gentle Whispering who was doing these new moon ASMR videos and she would create a little crystal grid and talk about what she was manifesting for the new moon and what zodiac sign the new moon was in and what that meant and it was very peaceful to me. It was very calming. I just watched it to help me go to sleep but... I just thought it seemed like a really positive thing to do and just something that brought good energy into your life and so I decided to start doing them myself and the sister circles usually fell on a newer full moon and so it kind of coincided with what I was already doing and I'm very sad that the person who was doing them just stepped completely away from working with women 
and circle and sisterhood in building a tribe of women because her vision was absolutely impeccable and it was absolutely what is needed. But she, she stepped away, her ego took hold and she left her vision. And it is a thing that is sorely missing in my life now because it was one of the most healing experiences that I've ever had to be able to sit in circle with women with no judgment being given or received and to heal the wounds we collectively had as women because if you have not been a 13 year old girl or 11 or 10 or 9 15 whatever with blood in your underwear embarrassed to death mocked by all of the boys around you shamed by the adults around you just because your body is doing what it's supposed to do you cannot understand that trauma and I think that it is important for people to find community with those who have shared experiences and shared trauma, especially when it is a collective trauma that they can heal together. Because I can attest, as I'm sure many women can, that women and girls are pitted against each other. This is why we want to be the prettiest one in the room. It took me a very long time to realize why that was so important. If you are the prettiest one, then you will be noticed by all the men. And most importantly, the most eligible of the men, which means you are going to get the best resources. You're going to get the best home. You're going to get the best life. But you have to be the prettiest in order for that to happen. It is an almost evolutionary reaction but it is societally maintained that you have to be the prettiest and the best while also being the most meek and the quietest you have to be noticed without making yourself noticed in order to get what you need we are pitted against each other we see each other as enemies because that serves a patriarchal society. Because if women bond, if women help each other, if women don't see each other as enemies in competition, but as sisters, as friends, then the whole system crumbles. Because we don't need the men. We have each other. Female empowerment is dangerous 
to a patriarchal society, it is deadly to misogyny. This is why sexual power is demonized. Because all humans have sexual power. Sexual power is the power of creativity. It's not just about sex. It's not just about sensual pleasure. That is only a small part of it. It is about art. It is about creation. It is about creating a new life. Creating new things. Creating a new world. And if you admit... If you admit that is a thing that exists, then you have to admit it is a thing that everyone has, including women. And that puts the whole structure in danger. I read a book during this time that I was going to Sister Circles, and I think I have mentioned it in the podcast before. It's called Aphrodite's Daughter's by Jalaja Bonheim, and I'm so sorry if I butchered your name and you're listening to this, if I should be so lucky. It is a story of women's sexualities and the journey of sexuality as it relates to spirituality. And it opened my entire mind because for a long time before I read that book I thought of sex as spiritual and she took that concept and brought it to an entirely different level and I would encourage anyone who loves to read and who is interested in this topic to read that book Consciousness of your sexuality, of who you are as a person, of who you are as a woman, how you show up in the world, of who you are in this world, of how you fit into the world, necessitates a consciousness of your own internal weather which if you are a person who bleeds means your cycle you can look at this menstrual cycle and see how it lines up with the lunar cycle perfectly not everyone bleeds in the same schedule as a lunar cycle if you line up your first day of bleeding with a new moon, they match. And not just they match as far as the timing, the energy matches, the fluctuation of energy from menstruation to fertile window, ovulation infertile period it lines up directly with the energy that the moon exerts knowing your place in nature no matter who you are what you are 
what you do is such an important part of healing from trauma and abuse and such an important part of recovery from that and building a new life after that. Witch hunts became a thing because people were afraid of the power of women and their sexuality. If you are a misogynistic man living in a patriarchal society or helping to create a patriarchal society, then the biggest threat to you and to the vision that you have is a sexually empowered woman. And if you are using a twisted version of the Bible in Christianity to justify your misogynistic abuse, then it becomes very easy to call an empowered woman a witch because she's no longer just someone living her life in harmony with nature and embracing the cycles of herself and nature. She's a witch and she's dangerous because she's a sinner. And she has declared an allegiance with the devil, Mammon. People in the church often like to boast about how non-material they are. How outside of this world they are, which makes it even easier for them to demonize anyone in alignment with the earth and nature because they're not a part of that. They're just visiting. Sexuality is power. Pleasure is power. The power to create is the power to create anything, whether you're creating a human being or a home or a career or life, art. That alignment with beauty and pleasure, that alignment with power that sits within you is dangerous to the status quo when the status quo is abuse and sexism.
it was a very hard lesson for me to learn having to undo all of the ideas that I was raised with, having to recognize the lies within them, to recognize and find my own power and hold it and wield it without shame. It is something that still produces an anger response in me when I think about it too deeply. But it is a topic that needs to be addressed. And it needs to be addressed with honesty and frankness and clarity. Because so much of the patriarchal misogynistic ideas that have hurt women have hurt everyone. They hurt men too. They hurt anyone who identifies as anything other than those two genders as well. Because it disallows for anything outside of a binary structure. And a very narrow-minded binary structure. If you don't fit this description, you're not a real woman or you're not a real man. And it completely erases the fluidity of gender and the human experience. It completely erases the idea that anyone could be anything besides a cookie-cutter version of a man or a woman. It erases the idea that people can be healthy, productive members of society, happy, if they are not anything but one-half of a unit that is creating a family that consists of one man and one woman that look like little cardboard paper cutouts. Healing this was instrumental to me eventually becoming a witch because once I found my power I found that I could do anything I found that I could create whatever I wanted to I found that I could be whatever I wanted to and it might not happen instantly but it would happen I could call it in all I had to do was know that I was capable of doing so.
I realize this is probably one of the more triggering episodes that I have done. Probably will be one of the most triggering episodes I will ever do. If you have made it to the end, I thank you for sticking with me. As always, thank you for listening to the podcast. Please follow wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to comment, like, share, whatever. Um, Most podcast platforms have uh, places where you can rate or review episodes and shows. I always welcome feedback. Follow us on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram. And I will hopefully see you next week on the podcast as we both work on our mosaic in progress.